Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Joey Solak. If you are one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home and As always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today on the show, we have Derek from the Homeless Gospel Choir. He invited me over to his house about a month ago before he left for his uh, European tour. It's 7.30 in the morning. Got up, went to his place, bright and early. He made me some coffee, and we had a talk about his... uh, First exposures with music through uh, conservative parents and how he eventually found alternative music and punk rock. And then we get into, you know, his early days of being a musician and touring and just everything that has led up to where he is now. Which, you know, as we're listening to this, he's probably finishing up his European tour or he's back already. I'm not too sure. But hey, you know, it's been quite a journey for this guy. And a positive journey. So we're going to talk about it. And you know we also get into the ethics of DIY culture. And as Derek puts it. You know the do it yourself culture. Versus the don't improve yourself culture. And that's a really cool chunk of this conversation. And we just talk about Pittsburgh a lot too. Because we both really like Pittsburgh. And yeah. Sit back. Relax. And let's start the motherfucking bait! Ripped it right off. <laughs> Sick. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. That's a Bill Murray from Groundhog's Day. Oh, nice. You know Keith Caves? No. He's a graphic designer from here in Pittsburgh. Does like really, really weird cartoon stuff. Used to work for Commonwealth Press. Oh, okay. Um, he's been in some really, really cool like DIY magazines and stuff like that. He's the one that draws. He used to draw a lot of my stuff, but now he's too busy. and. <laughs> Uh, your friends get too cool for you. Dave Watts, the same way. <laughs> I love Dave with all my heart. I was a huge Girl Fight fan. I was a closet Girl Fight fan because I was friends with all of those guys first. Yeah. I didn't want them to think that I thought their band was super fucking cool. But they were super cool. I actually just hit him up last night about seeing if you could want to take a stab at my band's new album artwork and uh, see what he could come up with. See what happens. He did, he did album art for me. He did, um, he did a CD and a vinyl version for my... Last record, Luxury Problems, that came out three years ago. Did a great job. Awesome. So, what was your first favorite band? My first favorite band? Uh, man, that's really hard to say. Like, when did you maybe get into music? Did you have parents that were in the music that brought you up on it? Um, I did. My parents um, were very conservative people. And at one point in time in my life, they thought that um, the devil 
made pop music. Okay. They're really weird. Sure. So I remember one time my dad going into the basement pulling out all his vinyl record albums. I'm talking about like original Black Sabbath pressings, original Beatles shit, Led Zeppelin, Motorhead, like Pink stuff Floyd, that blah, I would, blah, blah, yeah. I would, I would choke a close friend to death to have some of these records now. <laughs> okay. And like, they're like, well, the devil's in this music. We have to get rid of it. So he would just throw away hundreds and hundreds of LPs. That's wild. Because he thought the devil was in it. Okay. So like, they tried to get me to listen to like contemporary Christian music or whatever. Sure. And it was just a huge bummer. So I like, that was, I guess, my first exposure to music was trying to make me listen to that stuff. Okay. But there was always like these stickers that were on cassettes or on records. It says, if you like Nirvana, Mud Honey, and uh, Sonic Youth, then you'll love this cool Christian band. Oh, weird. Yeah. Whatever. And I didn't want to listen to any of that. So I would just go ahead and just listen to Nirvana. And <laughs> yeah. I can remember, I think whenever I first like really got into music, um, probably 1994, I was 11 years old. Sure. Um, I mean, I remember listening to music with my grandfather in the basement, a lot of Frank Sinatra, a lot of, you know, Pittsburgh polka and stuff like okay, that. Okay, cool. Um, but like in 1994 was the year that like punk broke kind of. So I remember listening to Green Day Dookie oh, yeah. and Rancid, Out Comes the Wolves, yeah, yeah. and um, Offspring Smash. Oh, yeah. And like listen to those tapes that my friend Jake had when we were in sixth grade. And he was into skateboarding and I was just fat and didn't skateboard okay. he was like hey have you ever heard offspring and i was like no so he was the dude yeah like and he the was cool like, friend in school yeah he's like yeah. do you want to go to national record mart and spend 20 dollars <laughs> on a tape and i yeah. was like fuck yeah let's yeah. do it yeah that's kind of how sorry for me just getting into uh, my own was like getting into punk music and alternative music smashing pumpkins were huge for me oh and, sure and during that time and uh, even like listening to things like Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, yeah, all that stuff. Like anything that wasn't on mainstream radio, I was all about listening to because I was like, "There's this whole underbelly of music that like these weird, freaky kids are listening to," and like I associate more with them than I do with like all these other people. Yeah, yeah, totally. So like, I was like, "I'm down for whatever these fucking weird kids are listening to. I'm gonna listen to that too." Uh huh. And that's yeah. kind of how it happened for me. Yeah. My dad was, like, just super into thrash metal. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, like, my parents had me. They were, like, real young, like, 17, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I was born in 85, so okay. I'm, like, 5, 6, early 90s. You know, my dad's only 23, 24 years old. Yeah. And just, like, raging. Yeah. So, like, I just grew up on, like, metal and stuff from there. But then I fell into all that same stuff. Like, sure. The first CD I ever bought was Dookie. Oh, yeah. You know? Good. And then, That's a great way to start. Yeah, you know, like, my, like, arc of favorite bands is so weird. It was definitely, like, Green Day. Then Smashing Pumpkins, like, Siamese Dream. Sure. Melancholy. Loved that stuff. Yeah. Then I, like, went off into, like, heavy stuff and then mm -hmm. just fluctuated. Now it's just, like, a hodgepodge of fucking I listen, whatever. I listen to literally everything. Yeah. My record collection in the other room is, like, I have, like, a lot of Woody Guthrie. Mm hmm I have a lot of, like, really weird indie hip-hop. I have really, really angry, aggressive, like, crusty, D-beat, hardcore. Sure. And then I have, like, a ton of, like, swing and big band. Oh, band yeah. Stuff. Awesome. So, like, I love... Music for every mood. Every mood, man. I'm, I have multiple personalities anyway, so... Well, it's, um, uh, it's better. <laughs> I think people that exclusively listen to one genre of music tend to be really, like, boring. not cool people. They're just boring. Yeah.
it's so bizarre. Like, I love hardcore, but yeah. everybody I know that only listens to hardcore kind of like... They're putties. They're shitty. Yeah. yeah, they're just putties. <laughs> like, hey man, did you hear the new Bane? Of course I heard the new Bane. Everyone heard the new Bane record. It's fucking awesome. But there's a trillion other records that came out that month. Yeah. Listen to fucking anything else. Sure. Yeah. You're into all this, like, you know, the punk and the heavier mm-hmm. stuff. What, what point did you get into creating music and deciding you wanted to put something out there? Um, I mean, I played in bands uh, for a bit before I decided to take it serious or whatever. Um, 2007, uh, I started to work for bands. I started to work for um, a local band here in Pittsburgh called Once Nothing. Yeah. They're like a dirty metal band. I remember those guys, yeah. Great friends of mine. And um, they're like, hey, we need somebody to go out on the road and help sell our t-shirts. And that was the first thing that they asked me to do. Okay. So I was like, okay, cool. I had some money saved. They're like, we can't pay you very much, but we'll give you food and we'll give you like, I don't know, 75 bucks a week or something. I'm like... Word. I'm in. <laughs> sounds great. It's the experience. It's the experience, right. Uh, I, I started to do that. I started to travel with them from 2007 all the way through 2008 and got a chance to do some cool music festivals with them. And I went from just selling t-shirts to uh, tour managing uh, for them and for some other bands that were uh, okay. on their label and, and local and, and even national bands. And um, towards the end of it, um, after about a year and a half of doing it, I was able to have more of a, an in-depth look and see how like, the music industry was working at the time. Oh, sure. And I didn't necessarily care for it very much. Like I liked the, my friends that were in the bands, but the fact that if my friends wanted to go on tour with a band that was bigger than them, they had to buy onto a tour. Oh, Or yeah. they had to pay money or you know whatever. It's all bullshit. And I was like, you guys are my friends. And this band is your friend, but they're making you pay this mountainous sum of money to open up this tour. I said, that's bullshit. And, but they're like, we want to have the exposure and this, that, and the other. And I don't, I don't discredit them at all for trying it. I just, at the end of my time there, I thought that there must be a more honest way of going about touring and making music and making art and showcasing the talents that you have. And, sure. Um, 2009, I had a little crappy apartment that um, I lived in and it was just like a one bedroom thing and it was disgusting and gross and it was filled with pizza boxes and Mountain Dew cans and disgusting. And I had an acoustic guitar and I listened to a lot of Johnny Cash and I listened to a lot of Bruce Springsteen and I wrote like these very simple rudimentary acoustic songs and I was like, well, I'm just going to go and take my, my songs and see if anybody gives a shit. So I did. I just took my guitar and then I went ahead and I had like, I don't know, a handful of songs that in retrospect, like looking back at them were horribly crafted songs. They're just like me slamming on the guitar yelling about the government, which isn't much different than what I do now. Um, <laughs> it's uh, a little bit more meticulous. Yeah, than yeah. It takes me longer to write the songs now, for sure. Um, yeah, and I just was like, well, I'm going to do this. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like earlier we had mentioned that, you know, like, Doing possibly one day doing this indie hip hop thing and yeah. hitting that reset button. Yeah, it feels like maybe that's what you did then. Yeah, like you kind of got to a point, and then you know you're in this environment with your shitty apartment and pizza mm-hmm. boxes and stuff, and just like I need to start over and mm-hmm. find something new. Mm-hmm. And it uh, blossoming creativity mm-hmm. from like a weird or yeah. negative, not maybe not negative experience, but just mm-hmm. like a place you don't want to be, mm-hmm. and finding a way to get out of it. There was a whole like other piece of the puzzle that happened at the time 
um, a very close friend of mine who I call my brother uh, passed away in mm-hmm. a motorcycle accident. And um, life to me seemed to be, um, uh, I didn't understand it at the time. And, and I didn't know how it was fair that a kid that's 22 years old who has the whole world ahead of him leaves the earth like that. Sure. And like it really, really bummed me out. Like we lived on the same street since we were two years old. Like we spent every day together up until that moment. Yeah. And like just all of a sudden he's not here anymore. And I'm looking at my own life and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I'm going to a job making money for somebody else. And like all day long I'm just working these, I'm doing these things to earn this fake money to pay these bills so that I can be like whatever normal happens to be. And I was like, you know, I got I to gotta get the fuck out of this whole situation because it could be me next and I could die tomorrow. Sure. Doing what? Fucking nothing. Yeah. Doing nothing. So I got to put on this little teeny tour. It was, we were in a 1983 Toyota Tercel hatchback and we toured from Asheville, North Carolina to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We played maybe 10 shows and I screen printed you know, a couple dozen t-shirts on my dining room table. Sure. I had a couple mixtapes, or not mixtapes, mix CDs that I made that had maybe seven or eight songs on them. I had uh, a couple buttons that I made with my friend's button machine. Yeah. And I just did this tour. And at the end of that tour, I had some money. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. I did this tour by myself with my friend in this little car and I made about the same amount of money that I would have made if I would have worked X job. Yeah. X shitty job at the gas station, at the restaurant, at the, you know, whatever job oh, sure. a punk kid could get at the time. <laughs> you know? Why don't I just keep doing this? Yeah. Why don't I just keep booking myself these little teeny coffee shop shows, these little basement shows, playing in tattoo shops, playing in people's, you know, attic spaces, you know, whatever. For a pass the hat type of a situation, I'll have my wares there, I'll have a t-shirt, I'll have a CD, I'll have some buttons, I'll have, you know, little handicrafts that I've made, and then I'll sell those, and I'll have enough money to get into the car and drive to the next place, Yeah. and then whenever I come home, I can just live yeah. off of some of the money that I made. And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. Totally. And I just fucking did it. Yeah. And that's how it happened. No, it's, like, there, yeah. it's not really magic. It's not um, the stars didn't align. No, um, it was a lot of it was a lot of sacrifice. It was a lot of hard work, and it was like a lot of risk and discipline. Sure. Yeah, you know you need to really train yourself to not give in to the bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I made some money, and I'm just gonna blow it on some stuff. That's sure. Like, plan ahead. Yeah. And, you know, keep your shit together. Mm-hmm. There's like this weird thing that I notice a lot with people involved in this like DIY thing mm. there is like a stigma against making money oh yeah sometimes and I don't quite get that that kind of bugs me to an extent I, I think some people want to instead of calling DIY do it yourself they want to call it don't improve yourself sure and just like live in a gutter with a 40 ounce and then like if somebody happens to drop change on your head then that's a good day you know begging for gas money or like being stranded is like a badge of honor and like i'm fucking 32 years old man sure like i have a wife at home i have this house that i live in yeah that i have to pay for like i can't be in boise idaho or albuquerque new mexico or gainesville florida and just 
show up on a whim, mm. hopefully get a decent show, and say, well, if you guys are feeling generous, how about you throw a couple dollars in my hat after they're all hammered on beer? So I think DIY can be a very well-organized, planned thing yeah, that happens. definitely. That, like, people who care and contribute to a music scene or to a... Um, to an artist or a two, whatever. But I agree with you so often, like the idea of like my time is valuable yeah. or my, the art that I make should be worth something. Yeah. You know, we live in a, we live in a capitalistic society where like, I can't just tell the gas man, Hey man, I'll tell you a couple jokes and we'll just call it even. I have to give that gas man money. Sure. Or he shuts my fucking gas off. Oh yeah. So like, I can't just go on tour and be like, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. Who's mm-hmm. we'll DIY it? We'll just, yeah, we'll just I'll no. just go home with nothing. Yeah, you know, no, no way. And another thing too that really bothers me about some of these people is you know they'll give you a hard time over like a donation for a show. Sure, you know they won't throw five bucks into a jar, even a dollar. But you know they'll throw twenty five bucks at a lot of dispute T shirt when they see them at Alter Bar. Or whatever. Sure, and it's like, geez. Support well, don't, your don't, homies, or, or don't don't talk to me about. Don't, here's the one thing or, that yeah. chaps my ass is like we don't have money to pay for the show, but I know that you bought a case of Keystone Light oh, and you're yeah, smoking yeah. American Spirit cigarettes that you spent eight dollars a pack on. Yeah, and it doesn't really affect me that much here in Pittsburgh because I don't look to playing shows in Pittsburgh to make money off of. No, like, I played a ton of shows in Pittsburgh at Ormsby at. A club cafe at Brillo Box in people's basements in e- everywhere that I could possibly play and like if they're like here's some money for you I'm fine with that because I'm only driving 10 minutes to get back home yeah. and that's okay for me I'm not trying to sustain my financial security by playing basement shows in Pittsburgh totally so <laughs> the cool thing about an artist like you or myself we can uh weave through different scenes when playing shows Mm -hmm. and have you noticed like a lot of like I don't want to say cultural differences that's not quite what I'm looking for but like say like comparing a show that you might play at Club Cafe to a show that you play at uh, Ormsby Mm -hmm. like the people who might attend that Mm -hmm. show and the crowd reaction and Mm -hmm. response and things like do you find you prefer playing for like an Ormsby crowd or like a Club Cafe crowd or anyone who is willing to absorb what you're putting out um i love both and i I, i've experienced both yeah um 222 ormsby will go down in history as my favorite place to play hands down of all time cool i've had my favorite moments of my human existence have been in that room playing shows and seeing shows yeah i've seen some of my favorite bands um i've played with the fucking suicide machines in that room. Play with Bond the music industry in that room. Uh, I've done a number of CD release shows of my own in that room, and like just the feel and the aesthetic of like getting sweaty in there, and the and the room is electric, and oh, that's a cool the space, people that yeah. there wanted to support it, like wanted to be there. Um, I've also been to Two 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 Wormsby where it was uncomfortable for me because like. Sometimes people have too much to drink and they get a little too carried away and it's mm-hmm. loud during an acoustic set. Or yeah. like there's like pit bulls fighting in the backyard. Not <laughs> not a pit, not a dog fight, but like 
Yeah, you know, fighting in the backyard or playing, like, playing, sure, yeah. playing, <laughs> play fighting. Yeah, um, let's clarify that. Sure. Um, yeah, they're not like a dog fighting <laughs> in character or whatever. Um, and then I love going to Club Cafe. I played great shows at Club Cafe. I've also played some shows at Club Cafe where I was not the headliner or I was not the main attraction to see people, and they went to go see another artist and they heard me sing my political songs, and they're like, "You're a fucking socialist piece of shit." Oh, like, sure. Of course I am. I mean, you came to a punk show. Like, I, I know that you came here to see, you know, this other artist, but I'm the local punk guy that they put on the show. Yeah, you got to deal and with this yeah, right now. Yeah. I remember one time I played a show at Club Cafe with Corey Brennan, and there was a dude who was in the, in the crowd, and he just, he just hated what I did. He hated it. And him and his kids, like, they, he made it a point to, like, bring his children to my merch table and explain to me why my politics are backwards and why a conservative way of life is like so much more valuable. Like you don't want to go down this guy's road. Uh, like, Look at him. Look at this guy. Thanks Glenn. Beck. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> I would like, if I was a parent, which I'm not, I would just tell my kids to think for themselves and not like, you know, try and rear them in this real fucked way that you're trying to. And, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I went on that tangent, uh, but that's like, fine. I love, I love both. I love, I love both. I love playing basement punk shows. I always will. It'll sure. be in my heart and I love the vibe of it and the kids there that are super pumped. I would probably prefer to play a sober space than I would just to have just like a booze fest because yeah. I think when that element of control gets lost then things can go bad because there really is no structure or accountability where like sometimes somebody can just come in that's super unruly and really bum everybody else out. Uh, Not sure. to say that that, that happens at 222 Ormsby, but I've played hundreds of basement shows where the one crusty punk kid yeah. comes in there just fucking sloshing and like pissing in the washing machine or whatever. Yeah, totally. And like, you're like, well, if this was a sober space, that behavior would not be tolerated. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's just my... my that makes sense. Cents. You know, it's that's the interesting thing, though, about a club cafe crowd, is you're gonna... You have the potential to run into somebody like that parent who mm -hmm. you would never run into. Never. And, you know... Sure. But it also, you have the chance to expose your music to all different kinds of people. Because mm -hmm. in that type of environment, mm -hmm. there's everybody there whereas yeah. you know the punk space is sure. punk kids and maybe one or two friends that awkwardly got dragged there sure. and are trying to process everything that's happening yeah and maybe i mean there, there's kids that came to the last couple of shows i played at smalls and they're like we had no idea that you were even around like we just discovered you and we're from pittsburgh but these are kids that like i call them work tour punk kids oh they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah they only go to big shows like that yeah so when no effects or dropkick Murphys or bad religion come to town, yeah. those kids all come out to these big, huge, reputable venues. They come to Stage AE, they come oh, to totally. Small Theater, they come to Altar Bar, they come to whatever, because it's like, oh, we're playing in this big room, this must be proper, like this must be a real thing. Uh -huh. But if you were to see one of those bands in a basement, they're like, well, what is, you know... It doesn't grant it much credibility for those people, which I think is funny because, like, all of those bands, Bad Religion, No Effects, oh, yeah. Drop Kick Movie, all started in some kid's basement. Yeah, I, a lot of people don't really think about that, though, until they're behind the curtain. Yeah. A lot of people, the, the normal person who absorbs music. Yeah. It's like when I told you before, we opened up for Why. Yeah. And there was people that came up to us, like, 
you know, who are you guys? Where are you from? We're from here. You know, we play weird. shows every weekend. And then like three days <laughs> later, I saw a kid working at the exchange wearing the shirt. Yeah. I was like, cool. Thanks for doing Thanks it. for supporting <laughs> my band. Yeah. yeah. And so for a while I had like a big, uh, I was really against playing those bigger shows yeah. because it's always like a, hey, you know, sell some tickets, blah, blah, blah. Thing, yeah. Which is some people have different viewpoints on the mm-hmm. ticket thing. I think that if you have your shit together and you're willing to put in the work, it's not a big deal to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. As long as you're getting a little kickback from what you sell and mm-hmm. you're not getting completely ripped off. Mm-hmm. Some people don't agree with me on that. Sure. Whatever. I, I, <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about it. Um, if you... Um, Let's just make a broad stroke example, and let's just say that Against Me is coming to town. Yeah. Okay? And you love Against Me, and your band wants to play with Against Me, and um, the promoter's like, sure, you can play with Against Me, but you have to pre-sell tickets. Then you got to pre-sell tickets. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to play the show badly enough, and you want to have the exposure so that your name can be on a poster with Against Me... There's a cost to that. Yeah. And you have to pre-sell tickets. Now, for these people that are making local high school bands pre-sell $15 tickets to a local bathroom yeah, well, band yeah, at that. a fire hall, yeah. you can go get fucked. Yeah, that's... Because I have no patience or time for that. Sure. Or like, hey, we're having a local show showcase here in Ambridge or whatever at this rank-ass bar, and if your band wants to play, they have to pre-sell 10, $10 tickets. Yeah. You can you can get bent because sure. I have no time for that. Yeah. But sure, if like Billy Bragg came to Pittsburgh, oh totally, yeah. And you're like, hey, we need an acoustic punk opener for that show, but you have to pre-sell fifty tickets. It's a no-brainer to me. Of course, I'm going to pre-sell fifty tickets. I could pre-sell fifty tickets to a Billy Bragg show in a day. Yeah. In one day. Yeah. Like so, if the show that you want to play isn't going to give you the results that you want. Don't fucking pre-sell tickets. Oh, yeah. Or it's even okay to go ahead and say, as a band, we don't pre-sell tickets. That's fine to say. You might not play with Against Me or Billy Bragg, just so you know. Yeah. Like, so I'm on the same page as you. As it's, long as you know what you're getting yourself into and you're willing to do the work for the exposure that you're going to get. Sure. Fucking pre-sell tickets. If you have to, if you're going to be playing a big show, you should be telling people about it anyways. Absolutely. So if you're telling everybody about it, like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm telling you about this. I'm hoping you come to this show. Sure. You're going to buy a ticket, right? Sure. If Absolutely. you're coming, get one from me. It helps yeah. everybody out. Sure. But there's people just want everything fucking handed to them. Sure. Or back to that, you know, DIY thing. The, yeah. the don't improve yourself. I think that like... For a band starting out, I think the ticket selling thing mm-hmm. in a good structure is a really good learning curve sure. for a band to promote themselves sure. and get out there and work. Because a lot of, I know a ton of good songwriters and a ton of bad business people. Everything takes sacrifice and everything takes work. Yeah. And success looks a lot like a, a big, huge stew of, both, of all those things. Sure. A lot of sacrifice, a lot of work, opportunity, luck. Like it, it's all that shit. Together yeah. in a big, huge pot. But, like, even if you miss one of those ingredients, it's not going to turn out right. Because you do need a little bit of luck. And you do, you do need a little bit of opportunity. And you do need to have good songs. And you need to be a nice person. Yeah. And you need to, you know, all of those things need to be in the stew together for it to work out. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes, in order for people to know about your band, you can be the best band in the world, but if nobody knows about them, Nobody knows about them. Yeah. You know? And, and, and sometimes you have to expose your band to more people 
so that more people know about it. I think that that's a, a problem. I think a lot of people get stuck inside their bubble. Maybe we'll say locally their Pittsburgh bubble. Sure. It's like every kid in Pittsburgh knows who your band are, but you're just playing in Pittsburgh all the sure. time. And like you don't break mm-hmm. outside of that bubble. Yeah. And so, you know, and you think and you're wondering why things aren't going bigger for you. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody knows, you know, I play a show and all these kids come, but it's like, yeah, it's the same 30 kids. Mm-hmm. Every show. Sure. So my friend, my friend Dakota does a great job of getting her name out. Mm-hmm. She's fucking rad at it. And like when bands come to Pittsburgh, they're very well taken care of. So anytime her band wants to go out and play shows, she can get a show fucking anywhere because people want to do the favor in return. Yeah. You know what I mean? People want to butter her bread. You yeah. Know? You know, that's some, uh, Cause I did an episode with her. Oh, okay. And um, it's awesome to see someone younger really taking advantage of uh, the networking that's possible through the internet properly. Yeah. It blows my mind. I can't figure it out. I don't know if it's just like a generation gap with me because I'm sure. still like, you know, I graduated high school and people weren't on the internet. I didn't yeah. have a cell phone in high school, and no. now it's completely different. Sure. And it's just I can't integrate it into my life. Fully, mm-hmm. the way some people can when in a productive in school, way. When I was in high school, we still had typewriter classes. Sure. So fucking <laughs> think about that shit. <laughs> we were learning DOS. Yeah. Like. And that it's completely different. But um, something I wanted to talk to you about, who I like talking, I like talking about this with people who have been outside of the city mm-hmm. extensively. Is you know people are like. Oh, you know, like it's a Pittsburgh thing and everything's better everywhere else. You get those people. Sure. How do you feel about that? Comparing uh, the scene here to scenes in other cities. I think that um, us in Pittsburgh, as musicians go, are um, incredibly fortunate. We have a wealth of places to play inside the city, DIY spaces that are great. Yeah. And like, I, I can brag about the Pittsburgh music scene forever because it doesn't matter what type of music that you play, there is an outlet for you to showcase your music. Yeah. And even if you're playing something that is so bizarre and so unique that there isn't a platform to play it, there are kids in Pittsburgh that will listen to your band. If you get put onto a punk show or if you get put onto a hardcore show or if you get put onto an emo show or whatever type of yeah. genre of music you listen to, if you want to just be like a bass and drum duo that do like real throaty screaming vocals or whatever, you can get onto a show somewhere and there will be a crowd of people to watch you. Like I said before, like I love hip-hop music. And to go to that Y show and to see... A room filled with people who wanted to hear that weird shit, yeah. weird underground hip hop was so encouraging to me. Sure, like I love it. Pittsburgh is a great city if you're a band starting out that wants to play a lot of shows and you want to have exposure. Pittsburgh may not be the best city in the world if you're looking to be a millionaire and make money. Sure. Make money and make music and, and, and be like a big professional thing. Oh, sure. There's no industry um, here for it. No. It's a sports um, town. Few, few bands have, and there are bands that have made it to a certain measure of success or a few um, a layer of success or whatever. Oh, sure. But if you just want to get your music out there and cut your teeth, Pittsburgh is, I would say, one of the best music scenes in the country for that kind of shit. 
and it's true because you can um if you want to pre-sell tickets and you want to play with gogo bordello at stage ae you can do that if you just want to play basements and play five dollar shows from here into infinitum yeah there's space for you totally you know and like there's people and there's venues that if you're an all-girl band and you only want to play shows with all-girl bands or all-queer bands or all-whatever yeah. bands, there are people and there are places that will facilitate you. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's almost one I could almost argue recently that maybe too much is happening. You know, I get off work on a Friday. I check my phone, you know, get on Facebook. And sure. You have seven upcoming events tonight. Yeah. Starting at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. So much is going on. This is awesome. And then at the same time, I wonder if it can be a bad thing. If there's seven punk shows yeah. going on in seven different houses. Sure. It's like there's a lot of bands, a lot of people sure. want exposure, everybody has the right to play. Sure. But if we're splitting up this small demographic that we have mm -hmm. into seven shows, mm -hmm. that might not be a good thing. It's a sure. good, it's like there's a positive and sure. negative to it. The thing that I've come to term that come to learn is there's only one Friday and one Saturday in every week. Yeah. And everybody wants to play a show on Friday or Saturday because that's the night that everybody can just go out and get get hammered or you know whatever yeah. and have like a big you know a ball with it. And everyone's like you know when you go to book shows outside of town they're like man we'd love to have you can we get you on a Friday or a Saturday? <laughs> yeah. I would love to give everyone a Friday and Saturday, but there's five other days of the week that I have to be on tour for that you might have to book a show for. Like tonight, for example, there's an amazing show at Club Cafe, um, Killing Thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ed Hockley are playing tonight at Club Cafe. Uh -huh. Like really, 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 really heavy. Good. I would love to see that at Club Cafe. It's going to be unbelievable. Like, because I think they're playing with um, uh, Single, Single Mothers. Mothers. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing show tonight. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully, punk kids come out wouldn't want to go to see Club Cafe show. I mean, I don't yeah. know if they'll be there or not. Is it uh, 21 plus? I'm not, I'm not sure. Or they do all ages for it. Well, I'm not sure. It might be a 21 plus yeah. show, which could be a, a deterrent for some people. I'm going. Like, my wife's out of town. I got a bottle of scotch. I'm going to put it in a mason jar. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my pocket, and I'm going to the show. Yeah. I'm uh, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't advise anybody sneaking booze into the show, but <laughs> I'm cheap, and I don't care. <laughs> so I do it. But yeah, I mean, there's so much shit to do in Pittsburgh. I love it. I think it's the best. We get big, huge national acts in. And if there's a big, huge national act that's not coming to Pittsburgh, you can be goddamn sure that they're either going to go to Philadelphia or they're going to go to Cleveland. So you don't have to drive too, too far. Sure. Or you can go to D.C. D.C. is only four and a half hours away. Yeah. Go to D.C. if you want to see a big, huge punk band. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, we're in such a good spot. And even if you want to talk about, like, poppy or, like, radio-friendly stuff, like, the summer arts festival that we have every summer, like, we get great, big, huge names that come through, like... Jeff Tweedy from Wilco played last year. It was fucking awesome. Like, we just sit up for free. And we just sat on the grass, and I had a falafel sandwich, and I smoked a joint, <laughs> and I watched fucking Jeff Tweedy from Wilco play. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. In your city, just like... Just hanging out. Go down the street. Yeah, it was great. The, uh, I think a lot of kids who grow up in the city, in a big city, this probably <laughs> pertains to any big city really take for granted the fact that they're growing up in a big city. Yeah. Because the amount of land in America yeah. covered by big cities really isn't, it's lopsided compared to the rural. empty spaces, rural areas, small, weird neighborhoods. Yeah. And kids in those areas don't have the outlets or the mm -hmm. opportunity that we have here. Sure. So I think 
kids that grow up in big cities just get spoiled. Yeah. You know, there's friends that I have, you know, that moved down from Indiana that are like, want to come to Pittsburgh? It's so great. And, you know, there's always that moment where you're like, really? Like, I don't think it's that big a deal. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're in You live in fucking nowhere. Oh, that (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. the the cultural overload of Pittsburgh. That's the other thing, too, is there's so much just culture outside of music. Sure. You know, you can eat any kind of food that you want to. You can ride your bicycle on the trails in Pittsburgh for days and not go over the same place twice. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's always something. The art crawls that we have in Lawrenceville and Garfield, it's awesome. It's just great. Yeah. I remember last summer or summer before last. I saw De La Soul in a parking lot in East Liberty. Oh, sure. For free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people had tickets. I don't know how I got free tickets, but I got free tickets. They're like, hey, do you want to see De La Soul for free? And I was like, yeah. That's exactly what I want to do today. Yeah. Sounds so, like a good plan. Yeah. I'm into so, it. So we went to this gravel parking lot in the middle of East Liberty, right by the old bakery. Okay. And like, saw De La Soul. It was awesome. <laughs> There's so much cool shit to do in Pittsburgh. All right, so um, I know that you're getting ready to go on a tour soon. Yes. It's a, a bigger tour. Yes. Outside of our country. Yes. So have you toured outside of the country with the exception of... I know you've been to Canada. Yeah, I've been to Canada a bunch of times. Um, I've never played music in Europe before. It's okay. my first time playing music in Europe. So how I'm stoked are you on this? Very, thing? very excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things to be nervous about. Uh, there's a lot of financial um, responsibility that comes along with going over to Europe and like trying to smuggle T-shirts over there and like oh really um, yeah it's not it's not welcoming like as far as like trying to take things like that over there weird um, what would the likelihood of uh, finding like some like punk kid that screen prints in Europe be I have a couple connections for that um, yeah. some people have uh, contacted me and. I, I, there's some people over there that are able to do small runs of like 150 or 200 shirts for you if you need that when you're over there. Um, I still screen print um, a good piece of my own thing still. Cool. And I have like a, a, um, a, a fair amount of them in storage. And um, when I'm on tour and I can't get to my things, I ha- there's, a real, there's a bunch of really awesome screen printing shops here in Pittsburgh that do my screen printing for me. Um, one in particular. Um, and I just asked them, I was like, hey, can we just box up some stuff and ship it over there and just see if it makes it? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just try it. Yeah. Because it'd be a lot better than spending more money. But yeah, I'm excited, man. Um, for my first time over in Europe, playing um, like 10 shows in the UK and six shows in mainland Europe. Uh, we have a, a number of days off uh, for my first tour over there. Uh, a lot of the shows are sold out, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Which, um, a lot of kids are like, oh my God, you're coming, but there's no tickets. How come there's no tickets? I'm like, well, I just can't control how many tickets there are. I just can control how well I can play sure. tonight, you know? Yeah. Um, so you're, um, if you can't come to this one, you definitely have to come the next time I come. Yeah. They're like, we're coming for sure. That's awesome. I was like, yeah. So I, I, I was very fortunate that they asked me to be a part of this tour. And um, there's one band on the tour called Milk Teeth. And they're over, they're, they're, they're a European band, and they're unbelievable. Cool. Like, they're a really, really cool band. I'm excited to play with them. Um, so that's really cool. And, you know, obviously there's all the financial preparations and things that you have to do for that. Sure. Is there anything that you want to try to do in your time off? Like any bucket list type stuff? Um, or are you just going to take it easy? Um, in Europe, we're, um, we made a, me and a couple of my friends that are going to be over there together made a commitment that like if we have two days off in a row, which I think happens two or three times, 
that we're going to take a day trip to a country that we've never been to before. Okay. And like, you know, maybe take like a, a train ride to Rome or something. Sure. Or like, you know, today we're, you know, we're going to go um, to just to a place we've never been to before. And like, that's what I really want to do. Like, yeah. I'm excited to see the sights. You know, we have, we're, we're spending, um, I think in, in mainland Europe or, you know, in, in, in the European countries, we have three shows in Germany, two shows in France, one show in Belgium, one show in Amsterdam, and then the rest are all in the UK. But I just want to be outside and drink wine and eat frog legs and like go to Germany and have like a big, you know, sauerkraut sandwich. Yeah. And like, you know, do yeah. whatever Germany Take it do. in. Yeah. You know, where... Get like a big beer or something. Yeah, yeah. I want to have a big beer <laughs> and like eat a potato pancake and they're going to be... They have a show in Poland, but I'm not going to be going to the show in Poland. Okay. But I just want... Like, since I have the day off, I just want to get like a train and like see shit. Yeah. You know. Totally. Just backpack. Yeah. And just like have a day of it. I think a really convenient thing about the because uh, you are your band, yes. So like your overhead is so low, mm-hmm. which is awesome because you're still able to. I guess getting back into the making money and things, you're still able to charge the same amount of money for your product, mm-hmm. like for your shirts and your records and stuff. Sure. But the it's not getting split however many different ways. Yes, yeah. five people. band dudes. Or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that probably helps a ton mm-hmm. for the making it sustainable for you to do it. Continue to do it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would definitely love in the future to, like, start a three-piece punk band or a three-piece hardcore band or do a rap duo or have any type of, like, musical accompaniment and, like, go out on the road with it. I would would love love to do it. But right now, it's just just me. And um, I love that, too. And it's also easier for me to, you know... If your band's going on tour, it's easier for me to say, hey, can I go on tour with you? Or you say, hey, we'd like to take you on tour. Well, it's just me and a guitar. Yeah. Can I just jump in the van with you guys? And they're like, yeah, of course. That makes sure. total sense. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll save on gas money. And um, yeah, just come. Yeah, I mean, I've done that before where it's just like, hey, like, let me come do merch for you. I'll bring my laptop and I'll do a couple tracks like in between sets yeah. or whatever. And they're like, "Word, you know." Yeah. So I've done that. Yeah. And but the problem now is now that I have this live band, I really don't like playing shows without the live band. It's sure. like I'm spoiled now. Yeah. I'll do it, but it just doesn't feel the same. No. And I'm always like, "Man, I want those live drums. It feels so much better sure. having somebody with me the on stage." Sure. Oh yeah, it's just like there. Yeah. There's something about hip-hop with just the beats playing in the backtrack. It feels like a karaoke. Yeah. And it's like, when I first started, because I started doing rap before I was ever in a live band, mm-hmm. so it didn't bother me. I just had that fire. Sure, sure. Play a show. Sure. And then I got into a metal band, and I was like, oh my God, there's other people on stage with me, and it's so much louder, and I can yeah. feel everything. Yeah. And then going back to trying to do hip-hop shows in between. Yeah. Never felt the same. Yeah. Ever since. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult. Have you ever done any, um, like, homeless gospel choir stuff with any other instruments ever? Like, even just, like, off the cuff? Or have um, you just, like, gotten together and jammed with people and stuff? I mean, I, that, that definitely was a, a piece of the um, uh, incarnation of it when we started and, you know, get together with dudes and jam or get together with just friends and, and, and try and make a song or whatever. Yeah. And um, actually... Um, I've actually started to write 
stuff for uh, the new record, which will be out next summer. Um, not this summer, but next summer. Yeah. And um, uh, I've already talked to some friends of mine. Like, let's get together as a band and like let's jam out these songs and like have them. I'd like to have like for the record have just me on the acoustic guitar playing a song and then the four of us as a four piece punk band write the same version of the song but as a band as a band. Oh, that could be cool. Like you could do like a maybe like an EP of sorts where yeah. it's like five tracks, the A sides, all the acoustic stuff, B sides, full band that, stuff. That would be great. That'd be neat. Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to write songs that, that can be tailored to both. Um, and that way like um, the dudes that would be playing I'm already on tour with anyway. So like it would be great to just I'm up there with acoustic guitar and there's already a drum set up, there's already a oh, bass yeah, yeah. there's already an electric guitar and they just one, two, three, four and we just kick into like a punk song. Oh yeah. So that could be cool. That'd be um, gnarly. Yeah. You just put out an album. I we did. Should, we could talk about it. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 let's drop it. Cool. I mean, you're touring Europe, so I don't think you need the help. No. <laughs> um, let's drop it anyways. I, um, yes, I'm, I I put out a record um, last summer, uh, this last past summer, um, I guess it was, I don't know, eight months ago. Yeah. Uh, called I Used to Be So Young on AF Records, and it's, um, it's a record that I wrote about mental illness and punk rock. And um, it's uh, it's a record about my youth and uh, as as a young child trying to figure out my way in the world and finding out you know getting able to see uh, life with fresh eyes and seeing the things that um, that I wanted to be a part of and the things I didn't want to be a part of and how certain things made me feel yeah. um, as a kid I'm trying to like trying to channel a lot of those feelings. Of like, you know, you watch us. You watch the news, and you see a woman on Black Friday get trampled to death to buy a transformer toy for her oh, kid, sure. and how that makes me feel now, and then how that made me feel as a child. So like trying to remember what that felt like as a child to not know. And I mean, now as an adult, I'm I'm able to know. I'm able to see things like hindsight's always twenty twenty. But as a kid, like why? Are we eating buttered noodles for dinner for the fifth night in a row, Mom? Yeah. Not to say that we we never like we never went without food. We always had gifts on Christmas. Like we were just normal kids. Like it wasn't totally. You know, we weren't totally. like eating you know dirt out of the grass or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like being able to see these things as a child, like how does it make me feel then, and how does it make me feel now? And just writing a record about that, and it's, totally, it's, um, it's been really good. The rec- awesome. the, this record cycle has been has been awesome. Um, a lot of people really really like the record. Some people don't like the record, and that's okay. Um, Music's you can't don't like the Beatles. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I always am like. You know, those people who don't like the White Album. Yeah, they're fucking idiots. But I'm not to say that my record's the White Album. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's it's been really good. Um, some people who I really admire as musicians and as songwriters have. Um, said really nice things about uh, my record and have asked me to go on tour and um, the the tours that they've asked me to go on have been have been really really nice and have I've been able to play in front of a lot more people than I'd be able to play in front of on my own and I've been able to gain a lot more friends and um, uh, people who are uh, fond of my music yeah so it's been fucking awesome that's awesome yeah stoked for you yeah it's been really I think it's cool just like this uh you could just you could be genuine in yourself and put out an honest product in no contrived bullshit. Yeah. And 
people are going to catch on to it. Yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, people will try really hard to impress or be something that they're not. Sure. Like me going back to telling you about like how like I like the underground boom bap hip hop, but if I sure. were to do that, it wouldn't be genuine. Sure. So I yeah. can't hold up in that. But yeah. I think that, you know, what you're doing is obviously just genuine. You found yourself in like your sound and you're just yeah. fucking going with it. I, I just want to, um, I just want to just keep making art and keep making music. And this is a way that I think that I can do it sustainably where I, I can, can you know, just like you said, just continue to be honest with myself and who I am. And, um, it's not that I don't think I can do anything else. Because, I mean, I think I could do anything that I really, really wanted to do. Oh, sure. But um, I really like this. I really like this life. And I really like being able to make art and being able to show my art to people in this way. And um, you can call it punk rock or you can call it folk rock or you can call it acoustic music. You can call it country. You can call it anything that you want. I really don't um, mind so much about that. But um, I just like to make this style of music. And, and um, when I get tired of making this style of music, which may happen... I'll just make other thing. I'll just make, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll write more books. Uh, maybe I'll make more visual art. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not married to it. I'm not married to that acoustic guitar. Like, I just like to express myself in an artistic way. And um, if, if there comes a time where I'm, 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 I'm over, you know, playing acoustic music, I'll just express myself sure. in another artistic way. I think that, you know, um, I agree with you. Or I, I'm just going to continue to do what I do as long as I'm happy doing it. Sure. That's like another thing that a lot of people seem to forget is like this is supposed to make you happy mm -hmm. and you're supposed to enjoy doing this. Mm -hmm. And if you're not having fun, why the fuck are you doing it? Yeah. And there's people that just seem so miserable that mm -hmm. still continue to be in bands or whatever because they don't have anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, all they have is their music scene or their music friends. And that's mm -hmm. cool. But if you're not happy here... Mm -hmm. Change it. Yeah. Do something about it. Like mm -hmm. nobody's gonna discredit you if you decide that you know punk isn't for you anymore. Sure. You know. Do something else. Yeah. If Start you... a barbershop quartet. If you're good enough and you believe in it enough, it will work for you. I promise you. Totally. Like, I have friends who are like, well, you know, we're in our mid thirties and our late thirties and our early forties, and we're you know they're still you know playing. Trying their best to like get out there and like, how do you sell more records or how do you how do you get out there on tour or whatever? And like, um, you could like punk rock a lot and you could like the idea of being out on like a punk tour, but some not everybody's sh foot is gonna fit into the same size shoe. And like, just because you really want your foot to fit into that shoe doesn't necessarily fucking make yeah. it so, you know? And like. Maybe it's time to try a different thing. Or, like, keep making punk rock music. Don't stop making punk rock music. Just don't expect, like, Lagwagon or, or, or Propagandi <laughs> to take you out on their next tour. Yeah. It, those are unreasonable goals. It's an unreasonable goal for you. Play in basements. Play fire halls. Play the fucking 31st Street Pub. Or, you know, play wherever yeah. it is that you want to play. Like, all those things are great and fun. I like playing the pub. I've played there a number of times. It's a fun place to play. But, like, you also have to be reasonable with yourself. I guess... The thing that's kind of a bummer about punk, yeah, is it the it caters to a lot of unreasonable people, yeah. So it's mm -hmm. really hard to find that balance of somebody who's into this lifestyle per se, yeah, but is also uh, balanced enough to pursue it in a mature way mm -hmm. and not you know live the like street punk dream, yeah, or whatever. There are certain things that they say that as a musician you have to do. Like, they, I've heard 
many times recently that if you you have to play south by southwest you have to do it if you want people to notice you and see it, you got to play south by southwest so this year i played south by southwest okay i fucking hated it <laughs> it was i hate festivals it was the it was the worst sure. i had a good set there was a there's a there's a decent amount of people maybe a hundred people there in this little tent to see me play. Cool. It was fine. The sound guy was awesome. It sounded good, but it was rainy outside. It was hot, and it was free. Um, it was free um, cinnamon whiskey day. Oh, so cool. everyone's just like <laughs> trashed on this cinnamon whiskey. Great, and like. I'm there, and like I'm banned 185 of the day, and it's it's six o'clock at night, like Jeez. or whatever. So like people there have just seen music, and this is like day five of four. Oh, yeah, South by Southwest. It's a blur. So like, I finish a song, and people are like, "Oh, next song." This is when we have to clap. Yes. So it, it was it was difficult. Um, no, I didn't know what to expect. I love Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is one of my favorite places to play. Every time, every time I'm there, I usually play the Red Seven. It's a great venue. It's really, really fun. But I, I can say with, with great certainty that if I never play South by Southwest ever again, I will die a very content human being. <laughs> it was such a bummer. Yeah. Um, and like, there's nowhere to park, so you were, we were, and it was raining, so we were loading our, um, we were loading our gear four blocks away, pushing it. And I was helping sure. the band that I was on tour with push the gear through rain puddles to get to. The venue to play the mm-hmm. show, um, but uh, yeah, you, guess, the, the, you don't have to. All the hoops that everyone says that you have to jump through to be a band, yeah, you know, you don't have to do. You don't have to have a Facebook page. I mean, you probably should if you want people on the internet to know who you are, or you don't have to have a band camp. But you should if you want people to hear your music, you know. But like, there's all these like huge lists of things that you know. Well, you probably should do this. I, I've never really applied myself to any of those rules ever. Like. I'm not, uh, I, I don't sing very well. I don't play guitar well at all. I'm not very thin. I'm not very aesthetically, like I don't have like a great image or whatever. I just really, really like the things that I sing about and I think people see that. So like there's really not a formula. I don't stand on an ego riser when I play. I don't have a, a like a choreographed, like a headbang part where like I play this one thing and then I headbang. Yeah, maybe. I don't have like, <laughs> I, I don't have like, crowd calls where I'm like, no, everybody put your hands together. Or I don't have like, everybody move around or whatever. Like some bands do to get like the crowd excited. Yeah. Like it's like, it's acoustic. It's acoustic. You should do all of that. I think that'd be fucking great. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, there's these, like, well, if you want this, you know, if you want result C, then you have to do A plus B in order to get it. No. I just never, I've never tried any of that. Yeah. Like, I've never tried it, um, so I, I don't have I don't necessarily have a recipe or like any advice for like bands like well how do you get out there and do it well make music that people care about and then just keep making it oh, yeah I think just like make make cool music and be cool and, yeah, be, and just be cool man and yeah and like, <laughs> isn't that like the best advice ever yeah, just don't be a dick yeah hey how do you can and don't hang out with dicks yeah just be cool man. Like, can you just just be cool, please? Just be cool. It's, you don't have to be a cool guy, but just be cool, <laughs> like in general. Don't ask a lot of questions. Just just be like yourself, and then just be cool. 
Yeah. And then period. Like end it. <laughs> it's harder for some people than you might think. Yeah. I mean, I'm not very cool. I don't know how it works out for me, but it, um, <laughs> I guess I'm cool. I'm not very cool. Um, I'm a nerd, but. So we could probably wrap up. I yeah, think that we, we good. did a. I think we, we, did, we did a good job we here. Came, we, we've accomplished everything we've come to accomplish. Yes, we have. I want to thank you for yeah, inviting me over yeah, and doing this. Thank you very much. I had a great time good doing Good meeting that. you. Good meeting you, too. We should do more things together. Yeah. Are you coming to the show tonight to see Ed Hockley? And... I might. Okay. I might. I know that, Um. well, here, it's good to... <laughs> I'll close this off okay, before sure. we get into all okay. that bullshit. Cool. So, all right. And we are done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Derek is a really solid dude. Seen him around for years, never really got to talk to him until this past conversation, and I like the guy. Glad to have met him, and I look forward to talking to him again. I should really hit him up and see how the tour went. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. And (laughs) be sure to come back next week. Same time, same place, same channel. Got another episode. And yeah, you know, whatever. I am Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. Whoop. Woo. Thanks for listening.